Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, James Garrett joins us from Battleground, Washington, where he is CEO of Garrett Integrated Systems. Our guest today recently acquired the 10-person Boise, Idaho-based custom integration firm, The Loop Technologies, from former RTT podcast guest, Eric Crawford. The buyout was an exit strategy for Crawford, so he can focus on his component company, IFP Connect, which is a single-gang transceiver solution for connecting fiber optic cable in the home. The acquisition marks the first step in James Garrett's quest to build a regional custom installation company in the Pacific Northwest. I'm always up for an interesting CI business acquisition or exit strategy story, so I'm pleased to welcome today's guest to discuss how it all came together and to learn more about his path into the industry. James Garrett, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. Well, you're, you're welcome. First off, uh, congratulations on the acquisition. I'm imagining things might be a little nuts for you right now. Slightly hectic, but the dust is starting to settle finally. That's great. I mean, we're recording this um, at the end of May. So when did you actually um, pull together? Um, when was everything kind of complete on that acquisition? Uh, day one was February 1st. Okay, so we've had a little bit of time for for that dust to settle for sure. Yeah. Um, I want to dive into the deal and talk about your plans for your your uh, your kind of Pacific Northwest uh, expansion. But uh, first, I'd really want to help the audience just get to know you a little bit first. Um, you uh, had a background in Iowa. I see you've you've worked your way through custom integration as as one does before they own their own company, um, but. I was amused that as part of your background in Iowa, you worked for um, electrical sort of components in grain silos. That's like about the most Iowa sounding tech job I could imagine. (laughs) It it was very Iowa sounding. Um, Yeah, I did industrial electrical work for a few years uh, in 2011. um, And we were automating grain silos. So we were working with 480 volts and automating those systems for uh, grain conveyor belts, uh, grain elevators. So it was it was a very fun experience. Uh, and on the top of the grain silos, the best thing you could see was all the cornfields. So uh, oh, some wow. things I don't miss about Iowa, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of a beautiful image, but I can see where working in beautiful homes might be something else, you know, entirely. And Cornfields get is- after about 20 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, what? How did you get into the custom integration business in the first place? Uh, it seems like the the grain silo work maybe was was a stop off along the way that you were doing integration before that, right? Yeah, it was it was a pit stop along the way. Um, I actually got into the electrical industry right out of high school in two thousand four. Um, I was wiring houses for about a year and a half with a, a local company in Ames, Iowa. And on one day I saw a guy running speaker wires in one of the nice houses that we were wiring. And I'm like, whoa, like you get paid to install speakers and houses. And like, I literally harassed him until he finally hired me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he had to get permission from the electrical company that I was working for because he wasn't, so he wasn't poaching. Uh, but yeah, I really, I, I harassed him um, and finally was able to join with him. It was, uh, 
Total Home Technologies out of Ames, Iowa. Um, super awesome owner and worked with him from 2006 to 2000, 2010, 2011. Um, so it was a, it was a wonderful experience and I learned a lot of good stuff from working with Phil. And, and then what, what brought up the move then away from Iowa to, uh, to the area where you are now in Pacific Northwest? I was actually born in the Dallas. So there's a, there's a long, uh, I was actually, I moved out to Iowa when I was about three years old, um, with my mother. And then, uh, after my divorce in 2012, I decided to head back to home and, you know, mountains and oceans and get away from the cornfields. Great. And, and so you, you looked for available opportunities in, in that area and you found, um, you could get your way back into working in homes and away from grain silos. Yeah. I, I got into the, the industrial, it was kind of like the tail end. The company uh, slowed way down sadly. And it was an hour commute for me to work in Ames to where I was living. So that's where I jumped into the industrial electrical for a short stint um, before when I moved back out here. Yeah. I, I found a couple companies and ended up working for one out of uh, Westland, Oregon. And what were your um, kind of goalposts along the way that you felt like, you know, maybe I can do this myself and, uh, and, and kind of hang your own shingle to become a custom integration business owner? I guess it would be, you know, just working there, obviously working for someone else. You can always find things that you can do better. Right. Yeah. Um, and for me, I have always, I get bored if something's too easy. So I have to have a challenge and where I was working, it really wasn't challenging enough for me. And I felt that I, I could do something better. I could treat people better. I could, you know, so if I was going to do something, I was going to do it better. And my focus was if I created my company, I would focus on taking care of my team and treating them the way that I would want to be treated. Um, you know, processes are very important as well. And, and so you, you start off, you, you don't, you don't immediately name your company Garrett integrated systems. Uh, there, there's a funny, uh, little anecdote that I read in, uh, Jason Knott's article in CU pro that, uh, that I, I have to give him credit for getting you to tell him that, and I want to repeat that if you don't mind, what, what was your original idea for the company name and why didn't it work out? Uh, the original company name was wound for sound, uh, AV. And, uh, after the, 10th person pronounce it wound for sound. Yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, something's got to change. Um, I, cause I didn't, I didn't think about that. Um, and it, which is very ironic because the industrial company that I worked for in Iowa was Haugan electric and the guy's name was spelled H A U. So people would always go Hagen. So it was, it, it, it's funny how tongue in cheek, I ended up doing something similar and going, oh, wow, I got to change the name. Um, right. So, yeah, so we changed it from Wound for Sound. Uh, I shortened it up to WFS for a time being and then did a complete, I guess, a rebranding um, and going with Garrett Integrated Systems and then focusing on my logo being a G and a power logo simultaneously. Yeah, and so it sounds like you started off um, trying to do anything you could uh, mostly, but you're mounting TVs there in the beginning, mm -hmm. um, before you start adding structured wiring camera systems. Um, how, how many months, years, whatever, did you kind of go where you're just sort of doing the, 
the basic stuff before you felt like you were kind of getting into more sophisticated integration? Gosh, I would say it, it was, it's all a blur. I mean, I can't, it's hard to think of the milestones because when you own your own thing, you work every day. Like there's, yeah. there's never a day off uh, because you're always thinking for me, I'm always thinking of how to be better, uh, better than I was yesterday and improving. So I guess to answer your question, like, I think it happened fairly quickly because I started off on Craigslist and then built up a name. And then as my name started building, then I started getting more referrals. Um, and then, you know, as it kept going, I realized that I was losing jobs because of my name. Um, because people were like, well, you only do audio video. And it's like, Oh, do everything technology. <laughs> mm. Um, and so, but yeah, it's, it's ramped up. We still do a little bit of the TV mounting, but that's more of it's involved in our larger projects that we're working on. A lot of times that evolution occurs when vendors discover you and you've got maybe a, a pretty notable control system brand or, um, you know, some kind of a cool speaker line that maybe you hadn't had access to. Was there anything along the way like that for you? Um, in the be. <laughs> Uh, in the beginning, I, I worked with control, not control for uh, universal remote. Uh, and that was, that was what I could get my hands on. No one else wanted to touch me. Uh, Crestron, they, they wanted this huge buy-in, even though I had people vouching for me. And I'm like, I was like, I, I, I have a red truck with flames on it. I cannot afford to put 50 K down for, you know, product. Um, so, but yeah, I, I started off with, with a uh, URC, but as, as the brands kept growing that we've worked with, I have seen a lot more leads coming from them, but I never really got leads from, from the actual brands until the last year or so. And are you, uh, are you still a URC dealer or did you uh, <laughs> start doing other projects uh, with different control systems? Um, I, my battleground uh, location, we focus mainly on Savant. Um, okay. Savant. Yeah, they're they're very innovative, and I'm I'm very happy with them. They have their quirks, mm -hmm. just like all the others. Um, yeah. yeah, Battleground we focus on Savant, and uh, in, in Boise we now have access to Control Four. So I'm learning a lot about Control Four's uh, capabilities as well. Well, and and then in 2019 you uh, purchased a 4,000 square foot um, home uh, on Main Street, and you have a 2,000 square foot shop. Um, I guess uh, with that, so that must have been a, a pretty good sort of moment there for you to feel like you've got a, an established footprint locally where um, you're not just the truck with flames. Truck <laughs> uh, yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but yes, maybe. <laughs> I, I've been called that. And I think some people still call me that. And it's like, whatever. Um, no, I, I did a strategic purchase in, in 2019. It's not on Main Street. It's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so oh, okay. A lot of people call it middle of nowhere. Um, but I purchased a show home. I wanted to have a house that clients could come to and, and, and understand what we do. And so I have been still wiring and doing a bunch of stuff in the house, but there was literally, uh, the, the house was built by a remodeler and was not very techie. So there was a phone line in each, in the shop and in the house. So there's nothing else. And so I, it was by a blank slate for us, so to speak. Um, but, uh, I think it's been well received with having a show home. Um, it, it allows me to actually have more finances to pump into my team versus having a very expensive commercial location. But 
some vendors don't like you not having a commercial location. But you're able to create a solution in that home, right? That looks like what you're able to do for clients, which seems to be like a really good opportunity for clients to visualize what you're talking about with them. Correct. Um, but yeah, no, we've got, I've got motorized mantle mounts. I've got landscape speakers. It's nice having a property cause I can crank up really loud landscape speakers, uh, for clients demoing it to them and they can be really truly immersed in the sound and understand it versus wondering if I'm going to, uh, frustrate a, a, a neighbor, uh, mm-hmm. in another building. It gives me a lot of opportunity to really walk people through a house and help them understand how to expect it in their own. Well, we will continue our conversation with James Garrett after the break. Today's episode of Residential Tech Talks is brought to you by NICE, the global manufacturer of smart home security and building automation solutions. NICE is bringing together 30 years of innovation with award-winning products from Elan, Speakercraft, and Panamax to create a holistic ecosystem for builders, integrators, and consumers. Learn more about how you can create one home with one solution at go.niceforyou.com backslash RTT. Welcome back. We're talking with James Garrett, CEO of Garrett Integrated Systems in Battleground, Washington. Um, James, you were uh, talking about your your show home, and I, I think that... Um, that sounds really cool, but now you've actually have two facilities in two different cities because of your acquisition. And I've seen um, these types of deals um, succeed often, but also fail. And I'm curious to know um, what does and does not work. And and you're in the early stages here, but I have the utmost re- respect for Eric Crawford, having um, learned about his focus on process and know his class at CD. It was so popular and just a really thoughtful guy. And so his involvement in the story was even more intriguing for me. Um, so can you talk about um, when you thought that you might want to expand and how you and Eric were able to connect initially? Sure. Um, I guess the the idea is was not mine. My, my father-in-law presented the idea to me um, because we're just talking. He's He's been there for me since the red pickup trucks with flames on it and (laughs) guiding me along the way and um, with a lot of really good advice. And he kind of was helping me to understand through different ways of growth. Um, And, you know, an easy way, not an easy, it's not easy in any way, shape or form. (laughs) (laughs) One one way of growth is through acquisitions. And he had specialized in them for a, a good part of his career. So my, my first acquisition was his 48th. Um, so I learned a lot about acquisitions. He learned a lot about our industry. Um, and, but he was the one that initially presented that idea to me a few years ago and I've been pondering it and thinking about it. And more recently back in August, September, you know, uh, we have vendors, our vendors travel, they talk to other dealers and mm-hmm. I was talking to a couple of vendors I'm friends with and I just started putting it out there. I'm like, Hey man. Uh, I want to grow and I want to grow through acquisitions. So if you know anybody who's wanting to get out of the industry, send them my way Um, and we'll, we'll kind of go that way. And uh, that's how, that's how I met Eric. It was through, through a mutual vendor that we used and um, said many great things about Eric. And we started that process in, I I think, November. Oh, that came around pretty quickly then. Yeah. So, 
I, I think one of the challenges, and I don't want to put you on the spot in terms of talking finances or anything like that, but I, I talked, you know, informally to, to people um, in this industry about what their exit strategy is and how difficult that can be when they're trying to just retire, not even go into a manufacturing operation. Um, and so you obviously had to be able to provide um, some some money in the deal. Um and you're a fairly small company. Is there any insight you can provide there and how that works and wh- what it takes to be able to acquire a company and give enough to someone who doesn't necessarily want to retire on the amount of money, but he he needs to be able to sort of transition into his manufacturing operation. What can you share about that part of it in terms of how you do that from being a small company and acquiring another company? Got you. Um, well, I've always been very bad about paying myself. Um, I've always put a lot of money back into my company because that's how you can sustain growth. Um, uh, it's wondering when you're truly ready financially. Um, you just have to have someone who's really good with finances, AKA my father-in-law, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to help me see where I'm at and if we're at a good point and understand the cost, like the cost to do an acquisition is a lot. Um, you know, because uh, he's family, I'm going to take him on a vacation. Uh, that's my goal, uh, to repay him for his services, if that makes sense. Um, but it, it is it is a very expensive um, undertaking, so to speak, if that makes sense. Yeah, so you, you had money in the bank, essentially, to make mm-hmm. the purchase, but then you didn't have to pay that business advisor necessarily because it's your father-in-law who you're going to <laughs> perks of the relation one of the many many perks of the relationship <laughs> that's right and now your your new location the loop is uh six and a half hours away by car yes and so if you, you have about eight but okay and so one of the keys was that what eric told you and i remember in the article about his ability to step away from the company um and and leave it in and leave others in charge essentially and not feel like he is there all day long 24 7 you know so can you share that detail and how that helped to deal with the distance um there's there's a lot of processes in play um there was an understanding that you know he only spent you know about 10 hours a week involved in it so he had structured it so he could step away and work mm-hmm. on IFP, which was very smart because in doing acquisitions for myself, I don't want to buy someone's job. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great them. way to put it. Yeah. That's yeah. an excellent way to put it. I already have a job. I don't want another one. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's, so he, he had put in a lot of processes and even with, he did a very good job with that. But it, it, once you go from one location to two, there's a lot of issues that you don't realize until you're in the thick of it. And then you realize what ones are truly important that will then exponentially affect if you go to three locations or four locations. Hmm. So there's, there's a lot of, lot more planning that goes in. Yeah. So you, you've got two independent operations and uh, even though he created it to, to be fairly self-sustaining or self-regulating as you, I think you put in the article, mm-hmm. um, is there a point then you feel like you you need to standardize at your one company and, and you're going to be obviously creating 
the branding for both will be the same. But um, in terms of the way it operates behind the scenes, there's something that changes there, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I I mean, it's it's how granular do you want to go? Because Right, well, yeah, I mean, accounting, I would imagine accounting kind of has to get kind of standard. Accounting, intercompany inter, inter communications, uh, ordering, like I order from one location, then other locations getting invoiced. It's like... Mm. Those things that you don't think about with one location because it's always going to one. But if you have the same name with multiple locations, it's it's the as I said, how granular you want to go. There's there's a, there, that was one so that many I things. To say. <laughs> you you had all that in mind when you went into it. It wasn't a shock. No, no, it was not a shock. It's um, and with that acquisition, I was that that very first week that I was there, um, I actually interviewed um, my now GM. Um, mm. super amazing guy. Uh, I'm so happy that he's on my team because, you know, he, he was working in California and living in Idaho and he would travel back and forth and he was living what I was hoping not to do. And mm. I was able to get him in as a GM and have him be home with his family. Family's really important for me. Uh, and so it was, I was happy that I was able to help give him some peace as well while bringing him on as a GM. Yeah, how did you connect with him? That's an amazing find and and something that so many companies are struggling with right now, just finding those quality people. Uh, I would say chance, uh, putting out in the universe what you want, not what you don't want. Um, Mm. (laughs) And, you know, he had actually originally um, messaged Eric uh, initially, Mm. and then Eric set up the interview, uh, interview, and then when I walked out and said, hi, I'm James, the new owner, he was like, wait, what's going on? Because he didn't even know. He thought he was meeting Eric. It was it was quite hilarious. Okay. Well, that that's great that, that you're on the same page there and, and you've got somebody in place so quickly. Because um, you did initially need to kind of do a part-time move there, right, while you got settled in with the new company? Yeah, the first month. Um, I, I uh, rented a house there for the first month. Uh, and then flew back on the weekends to spend time with my family. Yeah, and and so as as you kind of get things rolling here with the two, and and you've got it moving along, you're going to eventually switch names uh, from the loop to to the, your uh, Garrett brand brand name. But uh, are you looking, feeling confident that you still want to expand? That that this is a good plan for you? Are you good with two locations? Or you want to keep going? If honestly. Uh, if, if I stayed with two locations and probably year and a half to two, I'd probably get bored. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's, 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 it's how I've learned my brain works. It's, it's, it is a good challenge. It's fun. Um, but, uh, I was given a vision that I'm supposed to be a, a very, uh, a very good leader. Right. Um, and so it's not all on me. I have an amazing team that backs me up every day. And to be able to help them to grow in their career and personally is, is an amazing thing to be a part of. Um, giving people opportunities that weren't given opportunities in other companies that they worked for. Um, so I'm not trying to go on a tangent, but it's, it's, I, I will be going and, and pursuing more locations. Um, uh, I just, the question is, when will the next one be ready and when will I be ready is, is more of where it's at. 
Yeah, and how do you gauge how many is a good number for you? I mean, is it just every two years and you get bored, you want another one? Do you, do you have a, a limit there? In the article, I think you said something about seven over the next 10 years. Is that yeah, target was, based on something? Yeah, I was trying to have a conservative number, um, hmm. a conservative number in the next 10 years to do, uh, you know, like I said, another, another six look, uh, acquisitions for a total of, of seven. Um, so that that's a conservative number. So it might be a year or two, but... As I as I get better with understanding the process of the acquisitions and the translation, um, there will be a, a more sped up process because I'll have a lot of the, the 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 minute details of invoicing handled correctly, so I don't get random invoices from different vendors to different locations. Yeah, and so um, I, I I noticed you you've now as as a. Uh larger company and actually probably acquiring a company that had already been a member of ProSource. You're now part of ProSource. You went to your first ProSource summit this, this past spring. Um, yeah. was that, what was that like for you to, uh, get to know some new people, some fellow business owners and share some, some insights there with them? The, the acquisition was amazing. It gave me so many opportunities that I didn't even know were there. Um, I got the opportunity of joining a CDA group. And I've been introduced to some amazing people. Um, uh, ProSource, the, now going to ProSource was super fun. I actually met with my CDA group for, I think, a day or two before the event, um, just going over everything. Um, it was awesome. Sherry from ProSource said that I had the most interesting story of how I got into ProSource um, because I wouldn't take no for an answer. I found a way to get in, and that was through an acquisition. <laughs> that's a good that is a good way that's a very unique oh, that's hilarious. Um, she's like you've got you're the only person that's gone to that extreme length i'm like you know what don't tell me no <laughs> <laughs> and you're also um now were you a member of hta prior to the acquisition or did that come with the acquisition no uh we were we we're an hta luxury member beforehand okay. uh, during the acquisition eric was actually applying for uh, becoming an HTA member and he used me, I think as a reference because Josh <laughs> asked me about it and I'm like, I can't tell you why, but yes, they should be an HTA member. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that he didn't have on yet, yet in terms of, uh, his, his process, like figured out, like that's pretty impressive that, um, you, you could help him kind of in your helping yourself at the same time. Oh yeah. Um, it, it, it was funny. I mean, cause like, like you know, you have to sign NDAs because it's if if it falls through, you can't talk about anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, because you're privy to information that no one else has. Um, but yeah, so that's why I was like, I can't tell you why, but yeah, you should definitely he should be a luxury member. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we had Josh on recently talking about HTA, and and I respect what he's what he's attempting to do there. It's a it's a definitely a grassroots effort and. I think it's really important for the industry to have some kind of le level of quality, um, badge of quality for, for their companies. So congrats yeah. on that and for both of them. And um, kind of as we wrap up, um, I mentioned to you before we started recording that I always like to ask integrators how they manage their mental health, their physical health, because this industry can eat you up. And one of the things that jumped out at me as we were starting to set up this uh, interview was you had some times blocked off and said, that's when I have lunch with my wife. It's, you know, it seemed very important to you for a good reason, obviously. Um, 
how do you do that? How, what do you do to keep yourself um, sane and not stressed out um, with hobbies, family time, that sort of thing? I, I listen to my father-in-law. Um, he is, he's, he's a very, he's the, he's very important. Um, he and his wife have been married 46 years. Um, and he has traveled all over the world for work. So I listen to his marriage advice, his parenting <laughs> advice, his financial advice, cause they're, they're very, uh, very important. Um, and you know, he, he has helped me to understand, you know, set, you need to have time for that, for family. Um, personal, um, I used to work out every day before I'd go out in the field and pull wire and do all the work. Now I'm doing office work and I wake up really early in the morning and do office work. Um, I have a home gym in my house, so I, I've got it to the point where I have to walk past my exercise equipment and feel guilty if I don't use it. So it's enough motivation to, to remind me to exercise. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't do it as nearly as much as I should. Uh, I still work way too much, but that's privy. It's to be expected in our industry. I'm, I'm just finding new ways of, of, uh, scheduling time. Like, like you saw for family lunch, picking up my kids. That's important. Uh, being there for family. And have you figured out a way to, um, to, to support that 20, you mentioned on your website, 24 seven support which sounds good in theory. It sounds good to the client, but for you, that means someone's got to be on call 24 seven. Have you figured out a, a way to, uh, to, to accommodate that without it being intrusive in your personal life? Yeah. Um, a few years ago, I made a, a hefty investment, uh, into service, um, because I wanted dinner back with my family. I wanted time to myself on the weekends. Um, in our industry, we are on, we are on call. And it's apparently it's inherited that we supposed, we're supposed to provide service for free. Um, it, clients get it in their heads. Um, but uh, yeah, I invested heavily into service and to see the efficiency that I've gotten within the company uh, with my techs not getting bombarded with phone calls and emails all day long, they're actually able to work. Uh, same thing with my programmers. It was it was a worthwhile investment. So I've I'm able to, you know, I'm still on call sometimes, but at least I can put my work phone away and know that I've got you know support um, in our company that will field the phone calls and the emails and get people taken care of and forwarded on to us after hours if necessary. So when you say you invested in it, is that um, human capital just having more people available to share those shifts? Um, we actually partnered with, uh, it was one vision. It is now provision. I believe they've mm -hmm. re successfully rebranded. Um, so we, we have partnered with them. Uh, so okay. they are our basic line of support. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with, with, Oh Joseph. yeah. No, that's a great move for yeah. sure. I found out about Joseph when I was redoing my website, um, with, with one firefly. So it oh. was, it just happened by chance. Yeah, that that's that's a great move, and uh, I, I don't ever want to lead the witness and say that's who they're using or working with or one of those companies. But I hope that that's the answer because that's the smart part, <laughs> way to do like it. Like I said, man, it's like it's it's expensive, but yeah. the piece that comes with it is is worth it for me for having having more family time. Well, for sure. Um, well, as a last kind of comment, um, anyone that's considering something similar to what you're doing. Um, 
I, I know you mentioned in the article having an executive assistant helps you manage paperwork and all that um, with the transfer of assets and vendor agreements. What what do you is that the basic advice? What do you uh, want to say to your peers that maybe are considering this or um, are uh, a little they're considering doing an acquisition themselves? Yeah, um, there's a lot of homework to do. I, I mean, there's there's a lot Be, between understand you have to know finances and know numbers to know what you're looking at for another company that that's just the point of you know doing an acquisition the fact that we closed on my first acquisition um was a feat in itself because i believe i can't remember the exact numbers but like my my father-in-law said you know just so you know like like half of these fall through like you don't even get to the acquisition so just making it to the finish line is a race of itself um, so when, it, once you get to and actually having an acquisition, I would say, yeah, having an executive assistant would be very important, uh, to handle the transition of vehicle titles, you know, utility bills, everything. Uh, but it also depends on the type of purchase that you do as well. And, and having a father-in-law like yours would help as well. <laughs> it, it was extremely helpful <laughs> I, I owe him a lot of yard work and like i said a vacation <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure he's gonna hold you to that that's great though congratulations <laughs> on it all james and thanks for taking the time out today of sharing some some real personal stuff here um you know whenever there's a business deal it's it's kind of hard to talk about because you can't give away everything um but uh, i hope it continues to go well for you and you have a great uh summer and uh future business expansion as well. Awesome. I really appreciate you having me on. James Garrett is CEO of Garrett Integrated Systems in Battleground, Washington. He re recently acquired the Loop Technologies in Boise, Idaho. You can learn more about his two locations at garrettsystems.net or theloopboise.com. And that wraps up today's show, which was produced by Residential Tech Today, IPW, and Pretty Easy Podcasts. Please check out prettyeasypodcast.com if you want professional and affordable production help on your own podcast. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to our weekly podcast wherever you watch or listen to this episode. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at our magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired. And let us know if you have a great story to tell.